We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 370. Our guest today is the first female trainer to win a triple crown race, which is so monumental considering it's been around for 155 years. Her Colt Art Angelo was the winner of the Belmont Stakes this year. This three-year-old owned by Blue Rose Farm has a bright career led by the training from our guest today. She actually has her background in the hunter-jumper world, so she has a very well-rounded angle at getting thoroughbreds ready to race. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Jenna Antonucci. Hi, Jenna. Hello. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Oh, I'm so excited to hear more about your story. Tell me how you first got started in the horse world. I actually got involved in the show horse world quite young, um, near the age of three. Uh, I was that annoying little kid that we drove by a barn daily and <laughs> I, guess I wore, wore my mother down for uh-huh. uh, lack of better words. And um you know, had the opportunity to to ride growing up and, you know, was also a little bit of a stubborn kid with wanting to do it and figure it out. And um, also, I think was in the right kind of barn when I was most young, where it was encouraged that we problem solve and figure things out on our own. So yeah. um, when you're little and have to get a saddle on a big horse, you uh, you get creative. Yeah, I love that. You've obviously been a part of the horse world for a long time. And being a racehorse trainer is the most recent part of your horse career. Um, before we jump into the racehorses, what other jobs have you had in the horse world? I've been super blessed to just kind of listen to the wind, shall we say. And obviously I had a huge show horse exposure up until probably my mid-20s with um, from local horse shows all the way through to traveling, you know, the circuit through the Northeast and whatnot. So that was a really great exposure for a lot of reasons. And I think uh, gave a lot of blueprint for how to make things happen and doing it at the, at the highest level. And then um, did a lot of um, aftercare work and retraining of thoroughbreds, even as a teenager, um, it didn't really have a title back then. And it was just kind of was logical to do. And I've always enjoyed the thoroughbreds and then had the opportunity to have veterinary technician, uh, a vet assistant work for over four years, primarily mostly the thoroughbred industry, but all in Ocala. So going, you know, going to farm to farm and really being able to see how other people did things, I think was a really great help um, along my journey with not even realizing. And then segued into many years later, obviously with the uh, folding of mares and mare care and young horse care. And so just really kept searching through different avenues, really trying to find the best fit for me and my personality and and where I felt I was able to contribute most to the horses. Totally. How did you get started with racehorse training? Like what happened in your life? Kind of like what led up to that moment of making that transition? Probably because I'm a little bit insane and that's fine. (laughs) Um, But I um, was doing a lot of mare work and falling and rehabilitating horses to go back to the track and was getting frustrated um, watching some of the injuries, you know, happen again or reoccurrence or different injuries were feeling 
maybe the details weren't fully being attended to in a way that, you know, caused frustration for me. Like, geez, that's a really nice horse. That's a shame. And more out of just stubbornness and probably a bit naivety in a good way where I'm like, well, I can do this. And didn't realize you had to have a trainer's license at the racetrack because it's not that way in show horse world. You know, this is obviously way before sport. Oh goodness. What's called everything that's in place now in the show horse world that you have to be part of safe sport. There we go. Safe sport. I got there. Yep. Um, yeah. And so went and took my trainer's license, but I was also missing being competitive um, in a selfish way. So asking, you know, what kind of led me there with doing all the farm work. I really enjoyed it. And I love developing young horses and, and fixing horses, but I was missing a little bit of the competitive nature. And so I found that to be an an interesting addition for, for me. Definitely. You've now had a lot of experience with thoroughbreds at all stages of their career from breeding to training and rehab and aftercare. What would you say is your approach to training your horses for racing? What's the, what's like the most important thing to you as a trainer in terms of setting up your horses for success? Uh, Probably for us, our biggest focus is just figuring out the horse as an individual um, before we start trying to put them into a spreadsheet or Mm -hmm. a condition book of races of this is what you need to go do. So, you know, no matter what stage we get them at, it's really just trying to figure out who they are and trying to make the most out of who they are um, as individuals and backing into backing into that. Definitely. Are there any aspects of your training that maybe the rest of the racing world would see as maybe more unconventional with thoroughbred training? I think having such a, a big show horse background where everything is really about balance and, you know, driving off the hind end a little bit more and making sure horses are a little bit more square and underneath you and supporting right. you turn. And those little nuances that you just do organically in the show horse world sometimes can probably be a bit overlooked in the racehorse world because everyone's so focused on the go. And so probably, you know, really trying to figure out the horse and their personality and really looking for that balance in a horse to not overload somewhere would probably be a unique point of view. Definitely. With it being kind of a, 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 maybe a tough year for racing this year, as we saw an increase in some serious horse injuries and several deaths of promising athletes. What, what do you think contributed to this increase in 2023? Um, I think the discussion has increased, you know, we are actually trending and it's hard for some to, um, understand this because it happens in spades and it happens, you know, on the biggest stages and whatnot, but, um, we are actually trending in a really good direction with the decrease of this. Fortunately, this year happened on some of our biggest days and biggest stages. And so that always makes it a difficult for people to understand and right. you know, how and what we can do. So we, um, statistically have continued to lower and especially over the last five years, it literally has increased by 25%, you know, rate of, of these kind of incidences. So I think it's important that people know and understand that how much is being done on the backside, just the increased veterinary oversight, you know, all the review panels that are in, in place now, all the enhanced safety protocols that are in, in place now, all the state of the art technology from imaging, that's all rolling out either already in play in California or rolling out in all these different jurisdictions. So 
the industry as a whole has really come together to ensure that we're doing everything that we can from a horse and human side to keep everyone as safe as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You also obviously have experience training thoroughbreds for their second career. Now walk me through, I guess, your approach to thoroughbred aftercare and getting them into a great second career. It comes back to their personality, right? Mm. It's understanding think having such a a diverse background, we have that insight to what kind of personality is needed, say, if it's a Western horse, or if it's going to go be a kid's two foot horse, or if we think it's, you know, something that can go be a three day horse. So I think the first thing is really understanding and appreciating their personality and how their personality can thrive in their next career. Mm -hmm. Um, And that I think is number one, whether they have bumps and bruises coming out of their primary and initial career of racing is kind of secondary because depending what their personality is, I think people are always so shocked by how much they can do even with a bumper bruise from their, their first initial career. And Mm -hmm. so it's a balanced approach. I think it's working with people that are looking for these next horses and maybe who their veterinarians are to be realistic and to not be so critical on these guys where, oh, it's not, it doesn't vet perfect. Don't do it. I think people miss a great opportunity sometimes because a veterinarian may not want to be wrong or may not want to say, let me explain to you, you know, what the risks are, what maintenance might look like and that long-term picture. But I do think the vet world is evolving um, and how they assess some of this as well. Yeah, absolutely. Switching gears a little bit, you had a phenomenal 2023 as the first female trainer to win the Belmont Stakes in the races of 155th year. Um, Walk me through your preparation for that race. Obviously, it um, didn't happen overnight, and I'm sure you had a plan for and and had to prep for this for, for a good amount of time. So walk me through kind of your expectations going into the Belmont and, and how you prepared. I think the biggest key thing is when you have a program that works, don't make knee-jerk reactions and changes. So how we've developed Argangelo and how we allowed him to find his space worked for this horse. And so for us, it was just staying in the pocket and turning off the white noise. I'm not a big one to listen to the social media stuff. And I don't go hunting for any of that kind of stuff because we're training the horse. We're inside the barn. So it's important that you stay fully listening to him. And so as far as, you know, his pedigree was helpful for getting the distance that he needed um, for the mile and a half. And he has such an amazing cruising speed that likely comes from his dad. And so it was just finding that balance to make sure that we had the bottom in him that we needed and to make sure that we had the fitness level in him that we needed and and staying out of his way and making sure he was having fun um, along the journey. I don't know about you, but whether it is nail inspiration, different style, home decor, or equestrian lifestyle, horse girl energy, I always get my inspiration from Pinterest. And I don't know if you knew this, but Pinterest is actually not a social media platform, but a search engine. It took me a while to really utilize Pinterest and understand the importance of it for business. 
My friend Kayla White over at Studio 31 just recently launched the Pin Studio, which is a one-of-a-kind service within the equine community that helps grow your business and generate more leads and sales than all of your social media platforms combined through the search engine of Pinterest. It's also perfect timing because it is right in time for the holidays, which is a great opportunity to show up um, for holiday sales and really be everywhere. She offers consulting or full management through Pinterest. And if you are interested in making more of a robust marketing plan for this holiday season, you should check her out. It is the Pin Studio over at Studio 31 Gallery. That's studio, the number 31, gallery.com for more information. Right now, you can also book a free consultation call to really get an overview about what Kayla offers and what she can do for your business through Pinterest. So again, that's studio31gallery.com. She has been working on my Pinterest account and I am so excited to share the progress. It has already been amazing and so eye-opening. All right, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I'm sure that that's such an important part of the success of the horses is that they're that you're really like finding ways for them to really enjoy what they're doing. I think it's the super important part. And even, you know, even show horses and jumping horses, you know, I think that's probably such a stick out for me too, is, you know, you can watch a show horse that shows on the weekends and this and that they get in that routine that they can get a little sour and over it and just, not be having as much fun with it. And so I think staying focused on that throughout all my years of competition um, has allowed that to be a focus for us on the racing side. Tell me a little bit more about your winning horse, Archangelo. What is he like? Like what, what makes him so special? What's his personality like? What's been your experience in bringing him along? He has so much personality, which is partly what makes it a lot of fun because he gets it. He was a very cheeky, naughty, younger horse, just all boy. And Mm -hmm. he has, he has learned to become more serious as he has started to do things. He's figured out what winning means. And so we give him his space when he is not on the racetrack to, you know, he has a round pen that he gets to go in every day and roll and be a horse and have his time so that when he's on the racetrack, you know, when his saddle goes on and he knows he's getting ready to go work, he's very serious about his job. And so I've appreciated that shift for him that he understands how important, you know, the job side of his, of his career is. And then, you know, when he's not in work mode, he gets to let his hair down and and have all this personality. Mm -hmm. Winning the Belmont is obviously such a, like such a historic moment, but also such a historic moment for women in the racing industry. What does the win mean to you? And how is it leading the way for women who want more of a presence in the racing industry? I honestly hadn't given all of that a huge consideration (laughs) um, beforehand. You know, my job, I've always focused on stewarding careers for these horses and the accomplishments that they have, you know, we're kind of the secondary part of, you know, yes, it would be what I accomplished, but it's, I've always really stayed really focused on making sure we're stewarding the best decisions um, for these, for the horses. And mm-hmm. so um, I think what has been the most interesting is watching what it has meant for other women 
and has wa- watching what it means to them. And, and I am so grateful that that is shared with me and what it has meant to them from, you know, 90 year old women to, to little girls hearing, hearing their mm-hmm. stories and what it means. I've been very grateful for, and it's been pretty, pretty amazing to hear um, their journeys. Definitely. What would you say are some of the biggest challenges of being a woman in racing? Um, probably the same challenges for a woman in any career. Um, you know, when you are driving for exceptional um, accomplishments, you're going to always meet challenges and naysayers. And so, you know, obviously having the opportunity with the right kind of horses and at the right level is is the biggest challenge, just like building any sports team that trying to have the best possible talent. Right. And so I'm not sure that's specific to gender as much as it is making sure that you're producing results and mm-hmm. having transparent relationship with people. Definitely. What would you say is something that you are especially passionate about in the industry that you feel people either don't talk a lot about or don't know enough about? I think the avenues and the improvements and how we are trending the right way um, is something that we have to do a better job of letting people know. Mm. Um, you know, it, it falls on deaf ears at times when you sit and say, oh, we love our horses so much. We love our horses so much. But when people actually understand all of the progress that's being made and the amount of care that is in place before, during, and after a racing career, I think that's super important. And, you know, I, I hate even calling it aftercare anymore. It's just like mm-hmm. next care because mm-hmm. you just like in the show horse world, if horses get imported for dressage or for show jumping and they don't excel in their primary reason of being imported, they pivot to something else that they're more successful on. And there's no one looking down their nose upon that. And so I think just the full cycle of how much the industry has continued to move forward and hopefully everyone can continue to understand and embrace and and look at all the improvements and how fast they're happening. Right. Yeah. And I think that you have such a unique position being, you know, coming from another part of the horse world. Um, But you kind of have, I mean, with racing, there is such a huge presence for the, for like non-horse people, just, you know, racing is the biggest, I feel like horse sport that the general public pays attention to. And then you also have people who aren't familiar with racing, but are horse people, you know, within the equestrian community that maybe don't, aren't super educated with, with how things go. So I feel like you have, you know, two different dynamics or groups of people that you are, you know, having to educate and like, and maybe even feel like you have to uh, like, I feel like almost like prove certain things because I think fr- within the industry, maybe people have ideas about, oh, like for racing, it's just kind of like, I've heard people talk about how, you know, like the horses are just kind of machines or like a mode of, of, you know, the, the jockey to get from point A to point B. And I, I was able to go to a couple races, um, last year and just seeing the level of care and attention to detail. It's so much like, you know, like any other horse sport where you really do the whole team, they develop such a relationship with the horse and, and, and the quality of care is just, you know, at the forefront. So I think the more people can really understand that, I think that's, that makes such a big difference for the sport too. Oh, I agree. It's a, it's showing people. And I, I believe that 
you know, there's a lot of initiatives within the industry to get it out to the mainstream. And, you know, like we talked about having some unfortunate breakdowns this summer on the national stage makes it hard, but in Mm -hmm. the same breath, sometimes change is hard and communicating in a manner that people understand and can relate to and know, um, know what's happening, like you've just expressed, um, is the most important part. And I, I believe most people understand we may not to get to a zero, but mm-hmm. if we can get as close as we are able to knowing that we are checking every box possible to ensure that, then that is our responsibility as the stewards of what we're doing. Definitely. For someone both in the in, in the horse world and out of the horse world that would want to learn more about topics like this and about racing, do you have um, resources or things that you would recommend them go to to learn more? Um, yeah, I mean, they can, the NTRA website, it's just the National Thoroughbred Racing Association. They have a ton um, on theirs. We have a bunch on all of our social and all of our um, our websites from Horseology Inc. to Jenny Antonucci the NTRA site, all of those, all of those landing spots. The I do a, a brand ambassadorship with the daily racing form. So the DRF cares. We've been putting a lot of information out there. So there's some really good resources and some really good articles and conversations, mm-hmm. podcasts and, and whatnot that are sharing what our story is and, and how things continue to trend in the right direction. Amazing. Well, Jenna, thank you so much for what you're doing in the horse world and the racing industry. I think your story is so unique and you have been able to communicate with multiple parts of the industry, having, you know, connections in multiple areas and just your experiences have really brought something new to the table. And so it's so cool to see and hear about your story and um, we'll continue to watch your journey and I wish you all the best. Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.